I find this younger generation uh, hidden behind their iPads and laptops and communicating with text messages and, and I think more personal contact is required. I think young people getting in the industry should get out and go to as many organizational meetings that they can and shake hands with as many people as they can. I think it's invaluable that they do things like that. Welcome to the Land Department Podcast. The state of land and energy as we see it. We've got the man, Mr. Tom Dudley, today with us. We um, sure do. Yeah, it's it's uh, really excited to, to have Tom here today. And I've had the benefit of a, a career of exposure to Tom, but the opportunity to, to showcase you know, what Tom's done, uh, and starting a company that's now been in business over 40 years is, is huge. And I really think, you know, the land community would enjoy listening to what he's got to say. So Tom, thank you for joining us today. I look forward to walking through your career and, and everything you've done for, for Dudley land company and the industry as a whole. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I appreciate, uh, having an opportunity to do this. Yeah. First podcast, Tom. It is my very first <laughs> podcast. I can assure you, I'm, and I've never done this before. No, it's great. We're glad to have you. We might read a monster, Khalil. Monster he made it for you all today. <laughs> yeah. We might read a monster, man. Khalil, yeah. he may be, he may go on the podcast trail after this. He might love it so much. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure it'd be more successful in our podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Yep. Um, so let's uh, let's jump in and talk about how you got in the industry, Tom. How did you start? What year was it? What prompted you to get in the land business? Well, I started in uh, 1974. Uh, uh, I was uh, well, I was 24 at the time. Uh, a young guy, gentleman, hired me that I had known for a long, long time, and uh, asked me if I wanted to be a landman. And I didn't even know what a landman was. I had no idea when. There are people today, if you told them what a landman was, they have no idea what it is. But uh, I did start off young, and um, I was thrown into the courthouse with very little experience that I, as I look back, was uh, the wrong way to go. But I, I had a real estate background, so I had some common knowledge about conveyancing and things of that nature. But... Uh, so for about uh, seven or eight years, I was I did a lot of traveling from courthouse to courthouse. I worked pretty much a three-state area, Oklahoma, lots of Kansas at the time, some Texas. Uh, ran a lot of courthouse records in the courthouses back then. We we would go into the courthouses and pull books and slam them on the counter and read the documents, make interpretation of the deeds and uh, of that nature. And uh, today I know it's done completely different. Uh, in fact, I do access some of the records myself and, and uh, find it pretty interesting, pretty good, pretty good source of information. But I did that till, um, uh, till 1980, at which time I, I left the person I was, working for, uh, just cause I thought that I could, um, uh, what could do it better. Uh, 
he did some things that I, I, I that I changed up. And one thing I changed up was uh, he would pay me when he got paid, and that didn't work out very well for me. <laughs> Not on my own. I, I, uh, I, I. In fact, most brokers back then they paid when they got paid, and uh, that can it could be abused greatly. And I felt it was so. When I opened mm. up my doors, I. I got a lines of credit, and so I I made a point to make, pay my labor every every other week. Well, that was a big thing back then, and it provided security for for a lot of these landmen that I didn't didn't care for the irregular pay, and um, it helped me uh, hire a lot of good landmen because they knew that they were going to get a steady paycheck. So uh, that was one of the reasons I uh, I left, and uh, it was a one man operation for for quite a while. I'm wearing my accounting hat. I'm wearing my public relations hat. I'm out in the courthouses pulling books. I'm uh, going to landman's meetings, looking for new business. Uh, it was uh, it was a lot more than I had bargained for. I can assure you, I was working uh, seven days a week. Um, uh, for years, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've looked back at it, and really, the first twenty years of being in the land business, before I moved to Texas, I was probably working uh, seventy hours a week for several decades. Yeah, geez. more than I, I would can't... more than I would recommend today. I know that newer generation has taken a much smarter approach to uh life but uh gosh i can't i can't imagine you know i guess what you had about six years of experience when you started and went on your own i couldn't imagine when i was a six-year landman doing that you know knowing what i know now i mean that's that's quite the leap uh to do it as you mentioned you you didn't know what you were getting into until you were there i did it out in a sense but i had a lot of contacts by then i was always involved in the local association so i knew a lot of people and a lot of people knew me and and uh so that you know, I, it wasn't like i just went out of mode not knowing anybody so yeah. I, had, I had some I, I was i had i had i had some advantages there that a lot of land you know don't get involved in the local organizations and unwilling to get out and meet people and they just box themselves in. So, anyway, and I had an opportunity. I gave, gave in uh, a leg up on other companies, people. You took advantage of it. I, I think, you know, Tom mentioned that, you know, you don't have anything unless you've got good people. And I think that's always been it from day one that I started with Dudley, you know, years and years ago. That was always central to what we did. And and I think there's always been a very good appreciation of the, the contract landman at Dudley. And we always made a point to pay our people. I mean, that's that's a huge deal. Um and and I think we're respected in the industry and, and Tom was a big part of that because it was center it was central to to what he felt was important to the company, you know, both employees and the field folks. So that's a legacy. I mean, gosh, that's forty three years now. And it's, it's, um, it's a big deal on our company today. Tom, that's got to feel so good starting a, you know, your own company. I mean, obviously your name's even on it still, uh, but some of the culture values, cultural values and the mission that you have for the company still exist to this day. 
And to think back to 1980 when you started, you didn't realize the amount of pressure and responsibility and stress that come with starting your own business. When did you feel like Dudley Land Company was really becoming more than a one-man show and that it would potentially live on for decades? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you ever really Maybe feel like- Maybe never felt it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I had a great partner, Tom Havenstrike. Hmm. And once I was able to find somebody that shared the same beliefs that I did, uh, I was able to turn over responsibilities to another person. We were able to split up responsibilities and it took a big load off of me. And, and when that did that, the company started to grow. Mm. I was just kind of held back. I just didn't have the personnel that had the same desires that I did. I had plenty of people that wanted to, well, let's call it work day to day and go home at night, but it really required more than that. And the partner I brought on had the same desires that I did. And it was at that time that the company started to expand and and I felt much more comfortable about the direction. Yeah. When that, so when, when that happened, Tom, I'm thinking back, you know, when, when I, when that happened and I was a young guy in the company, I remember that very clearly. And that was about the time that we really started rolling out the databases and the, the columns uh, product that we use even till today. Was that something that, you know, when y'all, when you were able to delegate some responsibility, what, what was that? I mean, what, what did you take up? What was your passion at that point? Um, and what was, what, what did it open it up, open you up to doing? Yeah, I'll let kind of backtrack on that a little bit, but when I, I kind of got into automation and I saw the positive, I saw the need for, for, for database management. And I, I always, I remember this to this day that for you to to send the lease out, it, it was a seven step process. You had to write the name down seven different times, the legal description seven times. They go from drafts to leases to ownerships to a letter that went in the mail. Like there were two others, I can't remember what it was. And I said, "This is this is insane." to do it seven times. So the database management was huge. And, uh, and through the years, we finally refined it. And uh, when we got into, you could put your data in one time and generate seven or seven, at minimum, seven different reports. And uh, with that, we our administration costs just went way down and everybody else's administration costs were still real high, it gave us a big edge and in, in just cost uh, of, of the, what we were charging our services by reducing administrative costs and at the same time improving performance. Uh, that was a big deal. That, that really allowed us to, uh, to really explode. And as the oil patch was maturing and they were getting, we were getting into, and the 
year 2000s, let's say we were getting that through the shale plays or horizontal fracking. Companies weren't just doing a little section or two sections block. They were doing a half a county. They were doing counties at a time. And they needed somebody to, that could pick, pick up, accumulate all this information and uh, present it in reportable formats. We had that capability. And with that, we got some huge giant projects by some very big players. And um, that is when I knew we were really on the cuff of, uh, of, uh, of, 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 of really having a company that had some stay in power at that time. Yeah. And that was, Dudley was one of the first ones. I mean, he was a, definitely a pioneer and I, and I'm not saying this just from the inside the company. I still to this day get, you know, told I run into, and now they're VTs of land. They're, they're, you know, they're at the end of their careers. And they say, like, you guys were the first, you know, Dudley was the first to really take advantage of databases and, and develop it. I mean, I, we created, Tom created one of the first land programs for managing leasing projects. And he was right there at the beginning and that groundwork we, we built on for 20 years since. Um, and so it's, it, you're right. I'm uh, thinking back, that's probably the time that it really made you feel like we got something, you know, and, and we can replicate it. And that was the biggest thing too. You know, you could replicate the process because you had a constant, um, and, and it was, it was a big deal. Marie, let me tell you a story. I, I look back at that now that I think about that, but here I am, I've got this, we got this idea of this automation, but now you got to go sell it. <laughs> and I mean, most companies, somebody didn't even have computers at that time, but I remember taking the large monitors that we used to have, you know, the big monitors and, and big computers. I had one of those large compact, looked like a big suitcase, compact computer. And I literally put that on a plane and I would go through the airport on a little dolly and I would be in downtown Houston, Texas, going from office to office, setting up. And at back, back, back then we used those little plug-in modems and dial-up modems that I would dial into our database in Oklahoma City and uh, I, and I would access uh, data that we had there and I'd show them what we were doing. And I probably set up at least 100, 120 different companies and showed up um, what we were doing at that time. And, and, uh, personally, I thought it was very impressive. And, and so did a lot of those people. And we landed some business from all of that. Um, and it really opened up the doors and got us a name at the time, but I, I'd be laugh about thinking about going through the airport with, I'm in a monitor in a box. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I didn't think anything of it at the time. Yeah. What may or may not be a, an explosive device. <laughs> I, yeah. Back then you weren't me. But anyway, I did that. I had never told you that, but I, I did that for golly. That was back in the late, late eighties and early nineties. Wow. So it was, we're kind of, you were into it even then. I, I came in with the company in 2004 and that's when we rolled out kind of the leasing program where you could, you know, 
generate lease documents and lease packets from all this information that we had gathered in the field. And that's, that's kind of the next step was to, to bring it full circle. So that was my first exposure to it uh, as a field person. And, and that was, I remember that time, it was a big deal. To, it was a lot of training that we did um, for, for field landmen to actually use the program because it was so new. So many of them have never used a database. You know, they were filling out reports in Excel or things like that. But um, that was a, it was a big effort. It was a major effort at the time to, to get everybody up and running, but it just allowed for repeatable results. It was, it was, uh, it was a game changer for us. Tom, as you were, you know, you, you've mentioned some of the stories that have gone through those first two decades, but you know, there were a lot of ups and downs during that time in the industry. What did it take to overcome some of those challenges that were facing the land industry and the energy industry at large? Yeah, we had a lot of bad times in the oil patch, and I would be knocking on a lot of doors looking for the next job. And I remember I had a lunch with a guy, and he was telling me that uh, it was so true. Uh, at the end of the day, I would be talking to people that they'd just wear me out because how bad things really were in the oil patch. And, uh, and I had to I decided I wasn't going to hang around these people with all these negative aspects because all they did was just take me down with them. And I had to have a positive abstract or attitude. And so I made a conscious effort to, you know, be around people that had positive attitudes. Uh, that was, that helped me move forward. Uh, I had, I had some bank, a bank, some banks that were willing to kind of get behind me and stay with me at the time. And we had enough, we'd been in the business long enough that people realized company banks realized that, um, um, that I was good for my word and we paid our, we paid, we paid our bills. Um, I have to admit there were a couple of times that I wanted out of the business. It got so bad. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but unfortunately I, I, uh, I didn't find another job, not that I didn't <laughs> look at it wise, perhaps the thought of moving on to a different career, but, uh, I just stayed in there. Uh, when things got really ugly, I, I rolled my sleeves up and I went back into the field and started pulling books just like, just like I began and, uh, and just started over and just drew it again. And it, we probably did that four or five times. It's like got ugly. I'd go right back to the field and, and do what all our contractors did and, uh, built it back up again. And then like, like I mentioned, there's about, I mean, in about 2000, when the shale play broke loose is when things really turned around and we yeah, and even look back and we were able to grow and, when we opened our office in Texas, it gave us some diversification. And uh, that was a real blessing to have two offices. And then we had three offices. So we had more and more diversification. I don't know if I answered your question completely. I, I look back at those ugly times and I know I spent a lot of time away from family at the time. And I can look back. I'm not happy about that, but that's what it took to keep keep the doors open that's yeah. when i i think sometimes you you if you're in it long enough you're going to have the ups and downs um and i think when you're in the downs you don't realize what you're doing to get out of it but you can look back once you've come out of it and say wow you know we're, we're still a land men 
And, and that was something that was always instilled upon us early on was like, you know, you're a manager now and you're coordinating and running things now, but you're still a landman. And when times get bad, you got to go back to being a landman and make sure that, you know, you can get the work done and, 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 uh, and, and still be the one to do it and not be dependent on someone else to do those things. So it's a positive attitude is also a big thing. I think if you're going to stay in this business, you have to be relentless. Um, and, and you can't get down. Tom has nailed it. You know, when things are bad, everybody's singing the blues and man, you can get the bad headspace when things are slow, if you surround yourself with those kind of people. So keeping a positive attitude, keeping a working like attitude is, is looking back. What gets you through those things? It's like, well, it's, this is what's in front of us and we've got to tackle it and we've got to work harder than the next guy and, um, and be the best option. And, and, uh, I think you know, Tom's the imprint that Tom left on the company lives today with that attitude. It's, you know, stay positive, work hard, you know, and, and be the guy who can do, still do the work and, and make sure that your quality and your product, when, when the work does come and it's slow, boy, you knock it out of the park, may have no reason to go anywhere else. Uh, so that's a big thing that that's a lasting culture in our company. Yeah, absolutely. And Tom, I'm going to, for the listeners that may not know you or had a chance to interact with you, uh, I'm going to read a little bit of the mission statement that you set for Deadly Land Company. And I'd love to get a little bit more perspective on why you came up with these these values as a part of the deadly culture. Um, so started off, our first responsibility is to the clients who use our services and products to meet their needs. We must offer the very highest quality of service and products of the greatest possible value. Their needs must be serviced accurately and with a sense of urgency, thereby gaining and holding their respect and loyalty. Um, we are also responsible to our employees and the contract contract landmen who work with us. Each must be treated as an individual. They should feel free to make suggestions and complaints. We will respect their dignity and recognize their merit. I'm going to go on to the next part. We must provide competent management. Our actions must be just, ethical, and with a sense of urgency. Initiative and creativity will be fostered by giving leaders freedom of action in attaining well-defined objectives. Um, Next part, we must provide opportunities for our employees to grow and succeed. We must innovate and experiment with new ideas. We must learn from our mistakes and constantly strive to be better. Uh, you finish it with business must make a sound profit. Reserves must be created to provide for adverse times. When we operate to these principles, we should realize a fair return. Uh, I think anybody who hears that, I mean, as a, as a business owner, I kind of get chills reading it, but I think anybody who, who hears that uh, they feel like that's something that's honorable to live by. And I think that you did a great job of, of instilling that into that Delhi land company. Where did this, it, this, these aspirations and these goals of, you know, supporting employees and contract landmen and running a profitable business that has a fair return. Um, where did that come from? What instilled that in you? Like I mentioned earlier that, um, some of it came from past experiences that I had with uh, a previous employer that I, uh, or a person I worked for, that I wanted to do things completely different than what the way he did it. And um, one, I thought every anybody that was working for Dudley Land needed to be respected. Uh, 
you needed to hear if they had input about something that could be done better or something that they didn't like. It needed to be heard. You don't didn't have to necessarily agree with them, but you had to give them an opportunity to, to voice their opinions or grievances. And I think when you did, you gave them, you knew that you, they were they were listening to you, uh, or I was listening to them, and uh, and uh, that their their remarks were heard. And uh, in, in many cases, we implemented change. When necessary, you know, I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't cover all the bases and you have employees that are, are working on a project or something time and time again, and we, they develop better ideas than I could come up with because they deal with it. You had to listen to what they had to say. Try to think of what you asked me and that maybe heck covers the employee side of it. But, uh, I just had a lot of respect for the people that, that built make a living for me and I wanted to help I wanted to help provide for them as much as I could I didn't realize when I went out on my own how many people relied on me to for them to get a paycheck each each week yeah that was a real eye-opener to me yeah and the stress is real you 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 feel it yeah. uh it weighs on you and that's what causes you to you know work the the long weekends and to take the trips with the compact computer and go get some sales to keep food on the table for not just you, but for your employees. One of the negative things that I would say about myself is that I had a very difficult time laying people off. It was one of the things I, I regretted the most. And uh, unfortunately I, too many times I waited too long to make those cuts and it, it had a horrible financial bearing on, on the business. Mm. And uh, I guess through the years, I learned that when things got ugly, you, you have to make some choices that are not pleasant. Yeah. Brent, I'd love to hear from you what impact this mission statement and just Tom in general has had on your career, on your approach to business. And now that you're in leadership in Dudley, how you make decisions. You know, it, to be a landman, a field landman, there's a lot of luck involved. And I feel like I'm the benefactor of some really lucky, um, chances, you know, circumstances for me. And, and, uh, I mean, I remember the first time I met Tom, um, and, and this has been echoed by many different people within our company. He was very, when he was talking to you, he was talking to you, you know, and he felt that he was engaged in his conversation. There was nobody below, you know, being able to speak to Tom. Uh, he came to East Texas for a Christmas party. Me and my wife were sitting at a table and he sat down and visited with us. And I was a nobody. He walked past all the crew chiefs. There just happened to be, we were the new people. There happened to be a seat next to us. And, um, you know, that, that left a mark on me and, and it really inspired me and, and other people in our company to, to say, you know what? I can do that. I want to be that, you know, I want to, I want to have a company. I want to be, um, responsible for these people, but then also, you know, I want to do this for them and be able to communicate with them, be able to sit down and they can come to me. And yeah, I remember years later, flash forward and I was interviewing for my employee opportunity with the company. Again, a lucky circumstance. I'd been exposed to re those really big projects that Tom brought in the door because of his systems. And I gained a lot of experience and I got an opportunity to be an employee of the company. And he asked me what I wanted to do, you know, in, in five or 10 years. And I said, I want to own a brokerage company. 
Um, and, and I'll remember that I'll never forget it. Um, but he was, he inspired me to do that. And this mission statement, um, you know, I, I recently pulled it up oh, a couple of years ago ahead of one of our manager meetings. And, you know, this is my first time to, to run the meeting, you know, this is our annual meeting. And, uh, I pulled up one of Tom's old blue books and the, the blue book was the report book that he would take to do all his demos, uh, to clients. And I kept a dozen of them, uh, when we moved offices and I've still got them, but I pulled one up and I was just flipping through it. And then the inside cover was this old mission statement. And I, and I don't, I didn't know when he wrote it or how old it was, but two years ago, reading through it, it hit home. It, it, it's at the core of what we are as a service organization and what's important to our company and what's still important to our company. And, um, it's amazing that how, how spot on he was with how a company should be run and, and how you should respect people and re and you're only as good as your people in our business. And, um, it's a testament to the vision that he had for a quality company or a quality brokerage firm to be able to put this on paper and it stick for years. I mean, it's gotta be 15, 20 years old at least. Um, so, I mean, it, all those things are, are a big are a big part of what makes our co company successful and other companies like us successful is that they've got, you know, they've got these things at their core, uh, and, and they can kind of stand the test of time and, and keep quality and service at the forefront and innovation at the forefront. Um, to Tom's point earlier, things have changed so much. I mean, when he started, he was pulling books. When I started, I was, you know, I was filling out, filling out you know, forms and typewriting. Um, and, and now, you know, we're in the process of reprogramming our database that he built, you know, 20 years ago into a modern platform where you can access it from yourself on and, you know, taking advantage of all the technology that's out there and you can't stay relevant and you can't stay visible if you're not innovating. And, um, you know, that one paragraph about, we must experiment with new ideas is, is critical to, to, to my thinking, um, uh, running the company now. And, um, you know, hopefully the next guy will do the same. <laughs> <laughs> Take what I've done and Brandon and Steve have done and, and build on that. So I think there's just endless, endless lessons from Tom, um, yeah. and that, that we all take and the sense of urgency. I think urgency is in that mission statement twice <laughs> and that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, when someone calls us to do work, it's because they need it done. And there's always a sense of urgency and, and we stress that and he always did as well. You know, um, it's, it's a huge part of being a, being a service company. Well, Tom, obviously you, the impact that you've left, not just on the company that you started, but on the individuals that have touched that company, whether it be clients, employees, contract landmen, uh, is really unsurmountable. And there are a lot of sacrifices that you went along the way. Some you've shared, some we almost just assume are implied, but, uh, it's, it's really invaluable and we're really grateful for, uh, the impact that you've left on everybody's life. If you had to give a piece of advice to a, a young landman starting in the industry, obviously things are different, but I, we all know that principles never change. What is the advice that you would give a young landman? Honesty. Mm. I think hard work, um, contacts in the industry. Uh, I find this younger generation uh, 
hidden behind their iPads and laptops and communicating with text messages and and I I think that uh, I think more personal contact is is required. I think they young young people getting in the industry should get out and go to all the as many organizational meetings as that they can and shake hands with as many people as they can. Uh, I think it's invaluable that they do things like that. Um, I, 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 there, I hear that, uh, more, there, there, more and more people are, are more out of touch and in touch with the, with their own organization. I would recommend that they get more involved. And it, Tom nailed that it's in the land profession and really any profession it's, you know, if you're honest, you put in a good, hard, honest day's work and, and you put yourself out there, you'll be successful. And, and that applies to really any, any career, you know, the hard work part of it is a big deal. Um, you know, you may not be the smartest guy, but if you can outwork someone, you, you'll stay working. Thank you for summing that up for me, Brad. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I was trying. Well, it's easy. You kind of, you kind of teed it up and I could, I could roll it all into one thing. Uh, especially for field land, man, you know, when the profession is so disconnected these days in the sense of everybody's working from home. People are doing online records in the courthouse. No one can see that you're at the courthouse all day, every day, but you know, your product is everything, you know, you, and your, your product shows how hard you're working. Um, and those that really make it, especially the younger landmen are the ones that there's no doubt that they're putting in their time and they're hungry to learn and they're asking the right questions and engaging in the company and engaging in the project. Those are all big deals. Very yeah. important things. Well, uh, we greatly respect you, Tom. We appreciate, uh, being on the podcast with, with us for the land department. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get you around again for your second podcast. <laughs> well, thank you for the opportunity to sit down and chat with you gentlemen. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. Man, you did great. You did great. You're an old pro, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. All right. Thanks for listening to The Land Department. Check out our website in the show notes or visit dudley-land.com to learn more about us.